People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. I have two guests today, a husband and wife team. American-born Mike Rossi is Emeritus Professor in Jazz and Woodwinds at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. And we know that he regularly performs at jazz clubs and jazz festivals. He conducts workshops and masterclasses in Africa, Europe, and the United States. And he was the president of the South African Association for Jazz Education between 2012 and 2016. But also, Mike's wife, Diane, is with me here in the studio. Diane is a hugely experienced music event coordinator, also a booking agent, and she has a history of working in the performing arts industry. She was also the recipient of the 22nd Standard Bank Joy of Jazz Honors Award for her contribution to jazz education in South Africa. So it's a treat to have both of you here. Welcome, Mike, and welcome, Diane. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Thanks for having us. It's well, I'm really glad I called you because you jolly well leaving. Why are you doing that to us? You're going back to Italy, aren't you? Well, not back to Italy, but you're going to Italy. Well, with a name like Rossi, uh, we've been there. Uh, <laughs> the family's been there for on my uh, Mother's side and my father's side, uh, my my mother's uh, maiden name is Sansonetti, and they're from Abruzzo, um, and we're going to be going to the region just north of that in Marche. And my father's father is from Benevento, down, down near Naples, and his mother from Sicily. They've passed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father's still with us, uh, and God bless him, at 90 years old. Wow. And uh, it goes back to, you know, I remember sitting in... Uh, Mrs. Anderson's third grade class at Booth Hill Elementary Memorial School in Trumbull, Connecticut, <laughs> looking up <laughs> at the name. world map <laughs> yes, and looking at Italy on the map. You know, I says, I'm going to go there someday. <laughs> <laughs> and then, lo and behold, uh, you know, I went out to study music in South Florida. And uh, one of my professors, Bill Prince, who was here about 20 years ago, a great, incredible musician, multi-instrumentalist, he pointed to my saxophone. We went up to get a cup of coffee uh, at the university when I was, I think I was still in high school, but I was taking classes at the university. He says, that's going to take you around the world. He pointed to my saxophone. I I didn't believe him. I thought it was nuts, but I respected him. (laughs) I loved him. I just looked, okay, yes, Dr. Prince, that would be be (laughs) wonderful. And uh, lo and behold, it's you know it, it happened, and uh, you know I started traveling and going to concerts and and um, conferences and and meeting other people from around the world, and uh, it's it's the international language. Music, indeed, it is. So he was right. Your saxophone has, in fact, taken you around the world. It certainly has, and it's given me my Diane <laughs> and two beautiful kids, and uh, uh, brought me to South Africa. Uh, never thought in a million years, you know, like, um, I'm sorry to say, this is before Internet, so yes. Americans knew very little bit about South Africa uh, going back to the 1980s. Uh, our first trip was 1989. I met Darius Brubeck in 1988 at a jazz conference in Detroit, 
and he had brought the Jazzanians. That was the first like time they traveled internationally. It was during a very difficult time in South Africa. Was he already here then at University uh, yes. of Natal, yes. Darius Krubeck? Yes. Yeah. And I was actually introduced to him by Bill Prince, who mm -hmm. was in Natal, I think, maybe the year before, two years. I, I don't know the exact timeline. And he recommended me to come to South Africa for like three weeks. And then, um, so, and then Darius says, okay, well, you know, when we get back to South Africa, we'll work on it. And then, um, I was with my parents, I think, up in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. I was studying in Boston. It was up in, and then went up to New Hampshire. And the phone rings, and it's the U.S. State Department, a lady by the name of Bernice Avant. I can remember this like it was yesterday, again, 1988. She said, so you've been requested to go to South Africa for three weeks. So I said, Wow. So I went out and bought James Michener's The Covenant and started reading it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. Because <laughs> I knew nothing about South Africa. Right, right. And three weeks turned into um, a whole semester. Darius took a, was on leave or sabbatical. And I met Diane at my first concert. And this was in Natal, wasn't it? In, in Natal. Durban, yes. And as they yeah. say, the rest is history. <laughs> I actually <laughs> met Mike on the 26th of February, which was his first concert. In, in Durban, and it's also his birthday. And oh. it's also our wedding anniversary. Good grief. 26th <laughs> of February, an important day. Yes, 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 I got to play for the first time. That was with Lulu Gonzano mm -hmm. and I think Victor and Tony on bass. And, of course, Darius on yeah. on yeah. piano. And it was it was great. I mean, it was, you know. And I also had my first Indian curry. You might remember uh, the name of that hotel. It was I had called the Moon Hotel. Yes, I do remember the name. And the motto was "Hurry, Hurry, Jazz and Curry." <laughs> <laughs> my so I was trying to put the fire out of my mouth and have to go back to to play the next set. It was it was quite something. And you know, of course, I came out from Boston and I came in these, you know. Italian suits and uh, shirts and ties. And Not good for Germany in February. <laughs> I got this. Oh, my God. I was like, sure. <laughs> it was uh, quite a change. Mm, the humidity of Durban. Sure. In February of all the times. Did you know a curry place in Durban called the British Middle East Indian Sporting and Dining Club? Yes. yes what a lovely course. name. We yes. used to go there quite yes. often. Yes. Um, so you met in Durban. So, Diane, how long did you stay in Durban is what I was going to ask. Oh, this like for the six months. The for the whole trip. semester. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yes. And then I went back with Mike back to, America to America to meet his family because I was teaching in Durban. And I thought, well, I, I better meet his family and see whether everything is kosher. Because yes. it's a big thing to move to another country. Of course. Um, and a big Italian-American family as it was. Well, she yes. Is. <laughs> I think which, she came back. Is, uh, I had a little notebook and I wrote down everybody's <laughs> name and how they were related to one another because I couldn't figure out. It was typically Italian family yes, words. Yes. <laughs> but it was wonderful. And uh, then I moved there in 1990. Okay. Um, to America. Like a month before Mandela was released. Wow. 1990. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, everything was happening. Fair Lots of changes mm. at that time. Now, look. Your first piece of music, Mike, I gather you've just recorded a new album after all the ones you've done in Stellenbosch, and we're going to hear a track from that. Just tell me a little bit about this album. Well, it's actually a collection of uh, 12, 13 pieces, mm -hmm. um, and it follows up with uh, another recording I just did and a, and a book that's just been published in Germany called Roots and Routes that was part of my actual sabbatical research for the past year. 
while I was, you know, of course, drinking a little bit of wine in Italy and of course, and having knows. some pasta here and there. But <laughs> that, that's all part of research. Yes, of course it is. You have to soak <laughs> and, up the um, atmosphere. <laughs> this piece I actually composed, um, I was involved with um, uh, summer jazz clinic, I should say. Mm-hmm. Clinic sounds very medical. It does rather, <laughs> but it sounds posh as well. It sounds important. <laughs> so, um, through a gentleman that I, I did for about four or five years, a jazz workshop clinic in Belgium, and uh, I contacted him, and he had just started this um, jazz clinic in Kanazawa, Japan, which is across oh. from to- Tokyo, uh-huh. and it was really a trip of a lifetime, and it was it was really really great. Then I got invited back uh, when the um, Springbok won the World Cup in 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 Japan. Uh, oh yes, 2019. And so yeah. I wrote Baka Boogie, <laughs> and that's on the Baka, new. Se- you mean Boka, like the Springbok? Yes, I can't say it. Boka, 100 <laughs> percent South African, but it's that's the title, and um, it's also appearing in my new book as a, as a play along. Mm-hmm. So then we have a, a, a live kind of really cooking band version of it, uh, mm-hmm. an arrangement with some great musicians that I've been associated with since my first days in South Africa, uh, Kevin Gibson, uh, Mike Campbell, of course, um, Blake Hallaby, one of our finest graduates on the piano, uh, my colleague William Holbrook on, on trombone, Darren English, Dar- Darren English on, on trumpet, and uh, Lilla Van Gengen came in and played a couple things on percussion. I see. And this is what we're going to hear. Are we going yes. to hear Boca Boogie? Yes. Okay. And Here we go. Let's go start dancing. Okay. Here we go. <laughs>
That was called Boca Boogie, written to celebrate the success of the box back in 2019, written by Mike Rossi, who's my guest today of a brand new album that he's just recorded. Mike is with me, Mike Rossi, and also his wife, Diane Rossi. And it's good to have a husband and wife team here in the studio. You know, on that subject, um, first of all, for you, Diane, when you met Mike, were you a jazz enthusiast, or did, has he twisted you your arm? <laughs> I nearly said twisted you into becoming a jazz enthusiast. No, I've I've been a jazz enthusiast my whole life. Uh, even before you yeah, met, she was Mike. already even corrupted. Bef- you know, before she <laughs> met me, she's, she was corrupted. She was probably corrupted. <laughs> my my dad. Um, Tony, he loved jazz and mm-hmm. he had 78s at home and he was also a tap dancer oh my. and taught me how to tap dance and so I grew up with all the standards and singing them, knew, knowing all the words when I met Mike, Mike was astounded that I could <laughs> uh, that I knew all the words but that's yeah. what I was brought up on, my dad loved And did you play jazz. an instrument at all? No. So the no. tap dancing was your thing? Yes, and yes. I did ballet and um, but you were singing. primarily an actress, weren't you? I'm yes. <laughs> I have a master's in theatre and theatre mm-hmm. studies, and I, that was the start of my career, was, was teaching mainly in academics. And then in 1985, I joined the Loft Theatre Company. Uh, I remember um, the Loft Theatre in, Company. In Durban, Naypa- yes. When they reopened the Natal Playhouse, mm-hmm. um, which was a wonderful time. Uh, in Durban in terms of the arts when, you know, opening the playhouse. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of touring around South Africa, uh, which was which was great. But after two years, it was a bit much. Uh, and I missed teaching, but I wanted to have that practical experience so that when I taught my students and they said, but have you actually done that? Have you painted sets? Have you been on tour? So I could speak from experience. From absolute then. experience, yeah. You know. And then but how did you get into this whole business that, that you have been sort of famous for here, um, <laughs> an event coordinator, booking agent, all sorts of things that you've done in the performing industry? I, I think it was when I was in Durban, I met Darius Brubeck mm-hmm. and his wife Kathy in 1983 when they first came. Um, and I'd been attending lots of jazz concerts in Durban, but there wasn't like an organization that did fundraising for scholarships or presented concerts, you know, for, I don't know, for for visiting musicians. So Mm -hmm. there was a need to start that. And so I started with Kathy Brubeck and we, I learned from her and also Glynis Malcolm Smith, who was the secretary in at the University of KwaZulu-Natal at the Center uh-huh. for Jazz and Popular Music. And um, she did a lot of that, you know, organizing. So I learned mm. from the best. And there was a tremendous need because it was, I think, with Darius arriving and starting the very first jazz studies program in Africa in 1983, there was suddenly a, a huge interest in South African jazz and also international jazz, mm-hmm. but there wasn't anybody really presenting okay. that stuff. And okay. also because we had the whole history of um, segregated audiences. That's right. That's right. And oh, yes. I mean, the, the um, Brubecks, when they, when Dave Brubeck came out here, the, he wasn't allowed, he, he refused to play. I'm and sure. also in America, because there were uh, people of color in his band, and he said, but that's my band. And they said, no, you can't play. So there were a lot of... 
yeah. obstacles to overcome. But and when when Darius came out, because I remember I was in Durban at the time. Yes. It was a huge coup, wasn't it, for Durban and for the university? And as I was yes. just you, you answered my question because I was going to say, did he set up the first jazz? A department really yes. at a university in South yes. Africa. In in Africa mm -hmm. it was the very first, and in the same year, I think Mike, nineteen eighty nine, Mike Campbell started. No, not the same year. The same year that you arrived. Yeah, Mike Campbell started mm -hmm, yeah. the jazz department at UCT. Oh, oh yes, so that's yeah. been there since eighty nine. Since yeah. eighty nine. And then, Mike, how did you end up at UCT? Uh, how, how come you didn't end up working <laughs> in Durban with Darius Brubeck? Um, because of the weather in Durban. <laughs> <laughs> I no, actually, understand that. Actually, uh, you know, I, I like Durban, and and but um, it was funny when I uh, the, the State Department uh, they flew me down here in '89 for a couple of days to do uh, the workshops at the, then the newly formed Jazz Studies Program with mm -hmm. Mike, and. Um, and I stepped off the plane, and I know, look, I said, wow, this place is really amazing, really beautiful. <laughs> it is a bit, isn't you it? You know, and this is, of course, you know, before uh, internet and all that. Yes. And and I kept in contact with Mike um, through writing through letters through Diane's mother, who would then phone Mike Campbell on the phone and blah, blah. And, okay, <laughs> oh, Mike Rossi is a... Uh, he could, you know, can he come out in uh, like '92 teach some saxophone students? Or '92, I came out. '93, I came out for a couple of months during the American summer, year winter. So mm -hmm. it worked. It worked nicely for me. And it was and great then, because my family lives here. Oh, yeah. I grew up yeah. in Camps Bay when it was still a village. Yeah. Oh. and oh. so it was lovely for us to come out as a as a family. Mm -hmm. And I did um, did. Uh, I was offered the the job after I left in in um, the job at UCT. Uh, no, in Durban in eighty nine. Oh, oh, in Durban. Yeah. Also, I just also started my doctorate mm -hmm. um, at in Boston at New England Conservatory, and um, you know I had taken out loans, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then had a child, <laughs> and then uh, da 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 da. You know, exactly. So I had a I wanted to get that done and get a job. So um uh I got and through that. Were very iffy here. Yeah, yes. I got very bad with kind of people, you know, here and uh, um also the Gramstown Festival in 97, I believe Henry Shields was was running it oh, then. Yeah. So I played at the Gramstown Festival. Actually and then recorded with Winston Moncuku and you know it was a great saxophone. It was like my introduction to these Legends, you know Barney mm -hmm. Rachabani and Harold Jefta and Winston Mankunku, all these people I got to play with and and share a house with, you know, that yeah. week or whatever. Gosh. And it, w it was really great and really helped expand my, you know, horizons, mm -hmm. really beyond, you know, American. Uh, and I'm uh, sure you've never looked back, having come out here, both of you, to no. South oh, Africa yeah. and spending time in Cape Town and all the work you've done here. I was going to print out your CV, but it was so long. I thought, no, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. All the incredible things you've done and people you've played with. But apparently one of your early – we're going to take another piece of music now, and you mentioned something mm -hmm. about the impression Maynard Ferguson had on you when you were very young. Yeah, old Maynard, you know, uh, uh, he originally from um, Canada, from Montreal. Um, he actually was in high school with Oscar mm -hmm. Peterson, a little bit of jazz history there. And um, I, in 1973, my dad took me to a concert. Actually, I was playing. I 
uh, in the fourth grade, I started, uh, my brother and I, we started mandolin together. It's one of those Christmas mornings under the Christmas tree were two mandolins <laughs> and a drum set. And my younger brother, Chris, I think he put his foot through the drums by within the first half hour, the drums were destroyed. <laughs> my, my older brother, Andy, and I, we, we took mandolin lessons. And then, you know, I was, again, sitting in Mrs. Anderson's class at Booth Hill Memorial Elementary School, looking up at the world map and playing her the mandolin during my <laughs> recess or lunch break. And then um, got to the saxophone um, uh, where, you know, we had music teachers coming around to the public schools demonstrating all the different instruments. And I went home and asked my mom, you know, what instrument do you like? She said, I like the saxophone. So I said, okay, I took up the saxophone. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> a good thing. So, <laughs> oh, so, yes. so um, uh, my dad took me to, uh, my dad was also still is a big jazz fan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having, being born in Bridgeport, Connecticut and um, close to New York City, going into New York, hearing all the the greats, you know, uh, mm -hmm. going into so um, uh, we had jazz records and um, you know hearing, uh, of course, uh, the big bands uh, that my 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 dad uh, would take me around. So the first concert was actually uh, Palm Sunday, April nineteen seventy three, at two o'clock in the afternoon at the University of Bridgeport. And well, I remember <laughs> it obviously made an impression. <laughs> and, I, and I heard this band. It was a mix of actually quite a few British mu and uh, musicians combined with American musicians. Mm -hmm. Maynard had come over to the U.S. and started this band. And I, I just started playing the saxophone. And I says, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. It was just like I was 13 years old. Mm. So that's what I want to do. Now the guy on stage was playing a saxophone, but I had a saxophone, and I said, "Can I actually do that with these guys? <laughs> what they're doing?" I couldn't like fathom that. It was like <laughs> yeah. so, and um, so that was that was a, a, a big influence, and I actually got to uh, play with Maynard in um, 1976. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're gonna do. Um, I think one of his the classics and, and uh, um, the audiences will certainly recognize it. Take the A Train um, by Billy Strayhorn. I think is arranged by Mike um, Benny. Uh, that did a lot of uh, work for for Maynard. So it's just a just an exciting band, and yeah, um, yeah. you know, having the whole big band. I kind of came in on the tail end of it, where you know I was able to hear Count Basie. And live, I'm talking in person, and mm -hmm. and and Stan Kenton, mm -hmm. and do go to a Stan Kenton clinic for for a week during the summer, and wow. uh, Woody Herman and Buddy Rich, um, and uh, all these uh, big bands that you know, of course, in America, that was like a huge, huge of course, uh, of course. wave of. Uh, you know, where people actually danced. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's listen now to the A Train, and this features Maynard Ferguson. Yes.
famous jazz piece, Take the A Train, Maynard Ferguson, and another choice of my guest, Mike Rossi, who is Emeritus Professor in Jazz and Woodwinds at the University of Cape Town and is about to leave with his wife, Diane, who is also here with us in the studio on People of Note this week here on Fine Music Radio. You know, Mike, I have to ask you this because of my love of classical music. Mm-hmm. Were you always going to be a jazz person? Was jazz the thing that grabbed you when you were very young? Uh, it did grab me, um, but I also, you know, when I started studying and mm. um, I've recorded and performed with the Czech Radio Symphony Orchestra, I've had pieces written for me uh, with them, and I've studied a lot of flute, a lot of clarinets, some oboe, where I've studied a lot of the classical works and um, would split my degree between kind of classical studies and jazz studies. Mm-hmm. So it kind of broadened my my spectrum. Yes, absolutely. But when you talk about saxophone, flute, clarinet, oboe, it just reminded me now what you said when you came in. That little jingle we have on Fine Music Radio, which Andrew Ford wrote, you tell me, you appear on it. Well, tell me the story about how Andrew asked you to come and play. Those are those little things. Sing it for us. There you go. There you go, folks. <laughs> FMR. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was out walking the dog <laughs> around Ronda Bosch Common. That's a good start to the story. <laughs> and the phone rings, and, and, and it's Andrew Ford here. And it's Mike. He says, can you be here in the next hour? Just go grab whatever instruments you have and bring them to the studio. <laughs> sure, Andrew, I'll be there. So I throw them into the car, go to the studio. I says, can you play this? Da, 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 ba, 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 ba. Yeah, sure, no problem. Okay, uh, let's try that on clarinet. Okay, let's try that on flute. Let's try that on bass clarinet. Uh, let's try it on piccolo. <laughs> 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 so whatever I had, uh, was able to do some of those chords with some of uh, Cape Town's other finest musicians. Too. Yes, so, yes, uh, yes. No, lucky. Great, great player. Long association with uh, Andrew Ford. Um, I've recorded in the studio many times and released albums through him, and he's played on them, and uh, we've we shared some money. Wonderful musical moments. Well, now we know here on Fine Music Radio, and we hear that again, (laughs) that it's my guest, Mike Rossi. The saxophone I want to talk to you about now, because I believe you're a sort of, you know how they talk about Steinway artists. You're a Rampone and Cazzani, handmade Italian saxophones artist. Yes, that's. Uh, I met um, the Zola Ramponi family in uh, California. I think they were at a, a, a conference, and they invited me to come to Italy to play their instruments. I said, "Well, next time you're in Italy, please come to the factory. We'd love for you to try, you know, play our instruments." And I went there in a little town of 330 people, mm. and they're all artisans making the instruments by hand from a flat piece of brass, a metal. Uh, I mean, different metals bronze, solid silver. Uh, so I wanted and started uh, playing these instruments because the, the sound, for me, really spoke, the mm-hmm. sound of the instrument. It's not as maybe confined or as you would have like on a maybe a Selmer, which I love, and a Yamaha. It's a different different sound. So That appeals to you personally yeah, it, yeah. and inspires you, presumably, as you're playing it. Yes, yes, it does. And mm-hmm. the whole, you know, the overtones and really how it speaks to me. Um, uh, actually, on my new CD, I play an alto saxophone, which is a straight alto. Uh, it's gold-plated, and it, and it sounds like a big, fat soprano or a big, fat alto with a lovely, dark <laughs> sound. Oh, mm. like 
you know, dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that I played, uh, that'll be on my new CD <laughs> and a piece I wrote for Darius Brubeck entitled For Darius. Mm-hmm. So make sure you check that out. Okay. <laughs> so do you play this uh, Ramponi Katsani normally? You, that's your instrument? I alternate between that and, and Selmer, but I've got... Um, uh, one of each. <laughs> one of each, two of each. Uh, I have a sax solo, a soprano, uh tenor uh, from Ramponi Katsani. Um, really enjoy. Every time I go to the factory, you know, I usually leave with another one. <laughs> <laughs> and do you ever play, I mean, do you play the flute, oboe, clarinet professionally, or is that just something you pick no, up? No, I do. Not the oboe, I've... Um, I've only recently started playing that, practicing that, because it kind of sat in my office for many years at UCT, where I mm-hmm. had it on standby for um, saxophone students that were becoming educators. That would have to, they'd have to do a bit of oboe uh, with me. So I kind of had that for the students. There. Why is that, Mike? Is it the fingering, or, or why is that? It's, it it's, can't be the embouchure. It's the ar- well, and it is the embouchure and the reeds. Oh, yeah. It's the a, reeds. The reeds are the double reed. reed yeah. Is uh, you spend like ninety percent of your time. <laughs> Futzing with a reed, you know, instead of... You see it in the orchestra all the time, don't (laughs) you? Oh, gosh. Oh, I see. Okay. It puts a lot of back pressure on the brain as well, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I try not to play it. (laughs) But maybe I can say for a jazz musician, especially a woodwind specialist, Mm -hmm. it's very important that the musicians double because that's how, you know, so they, they don't just play an alto saxophone. They are able to play the flute and the clarinet. So, I mean, a lot of Mike's ex-students mm. play with the symphony orchestra play here, here uh-huh. uh, or when they do shows, when yes, they do, yes. um, and they have to play in the pit. They have to be able to, you to know, be play. versatile. Like yes, that. be well, versatile. One of the reasons uh, I got called to play with Tony Bennett mm-hmm. uh, because I could double well. I could play good flute, good clarinet, bass clarinet, or, or whatever. So yeah, we, yeah. you know, you had to, which is nice because the arrangers. We're just arranging some beautiful music for for Tony um, all throughout his career, mm-hmm. as well as you know Frank Sinatra. The use of woodwinds, if you listen to all those classics, it's just it's just beautiful. Yeah, and so your home must look a little bit like um, an emporium <laughs> for musicians. Dying, you have to keep it clean. Um, yeah. Actually, that's a bit sort of. Uh, Chauvinist, isn't it? Well, it's not. It's it, it's it's his room. It's <laughs> okay. we had a music room. Uh, in our house, with uh, you have to keep them serviced and keep them in playing condition. Yeah. Big yeah. Uh, thanks to uh, Victor DeFreitas at MusicCraft for all these years of great yeah. service. It just it becomes a problem when you travel. Yes, of course. Yeah. You yes, have so many. <laughs> you have. It's like having children. You have to count <laughs> and make certain that all that of them all come there, through. <laughs> like home alone. Anyway, some music now. You, we're talking about Tony Bennett, uh, Mike, and the next piece, in fact, is Tony Bennett. People, I want to know why you've chosen this. Well, I got to play uh, at a time when Tony did a wonderful big band album. I believe most of the charts were arranged by Bill Holman. Um, I think it was maybe 1985. He won a Grammy for it. It's called Here's to the Ladies. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, the great showstopper that Barbara Streisand made uh, famous, people and uh, just playing these charts with you just sit there in a section and you're listening to Tony and your hair just stands up on the back of your head it's just and it's, it's even uh, goose flesh yeah. listening to you uh, say it ultimate <laughs> professional people people who need people 
first be a person who needs people People who need people Are the luckiest people great Tony Bennett. May I say the great Tony Bennett? I'm sure you'll agree, Mike. And people. And a beautiful person, a real gentleman. And, and What um, a privilege you've had meeting all these people <laughs> and passing it on to your students. Here, Mike Rossi, incidentally, is my guest on People of Note, as well as his wife, Diane Rossi, who's just as much a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> You know what I wanted to ask you, Mike, as a, it's going to be a naive question because mm-hmm. as a classical person, people know me as a classical person and not as a jazz person, although, as you know, we have a huge jazz output on Fine Music Radio. And since the years I've been here, everyone tries to decide what jazz is, you know, where does it stop and start. But when you do a course, say, for example, I'm going to come and study saxophone, jazz saxophone at the university mm-hmm. to get a, a Bachelor of Music degree. Is the course as structured as the the classical music courses? Because I see, just from looking at your CV, lectures on jazz style and analysis, improvisation, jazz pedagogy, uh, the history of jazz, Mm. teaching methods, and so on. That's what the oboe's for. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for that. Um, So it is really quite structured, as the classical side would be structured. Yes, for for sure. And I don't mean that to sound patronizing, by the way. In classical music, you know, you, you have... Certain periods, you know, you have, mm. uh, you know, the Baroque to the classical to the Romantic to the 20th century, and um, in jazz we have that too. We have, you know, early, kind of right up to contemporary, uh, com- probably compressed in a shorter timeline. Mm. Um, how kind of like crossbred uh, in the 20th uh, century, and um, and also you know South African music being a being a big part of that too. Uh, you hear influences from uh, around the world, uh, so the students have they've you know they got a, quite a bit on their plate to to get through yes. uh, in three or four years. Yeah. Some of them, of course, do postgrads. Some of them even go and get doctorates. But the the thing is that we're trying to also prepare them to be successful in the industry. In and I and I don't, I'm not just saying jazz, but in the music industry, some part of it, and mm-hmm. everybody kind of finds their little niche. And, and and go with it and run with it and, and develop it or whatever. So there's a lot and um, there's a lot of a lot of ground to cover. I'm sure. Yeah, for example, yeah. like the the business of music. Um, I used to go in uh, and Anne Barr, who runs the Cape Town Big Band Jazz Festival, um, used to go and talk to the students about you know running an organization like SHAE and organizing a festival how to do fundraising yeah. 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 you know things like it, uh, things that you think are very simple mm-hmm. but they don't think about it um, they uh, fundraising Mike, Mike also used to get the students to go and work backstage uh, at the Cape Town Big Band Jazz Festival um, so that they could see you know fr- from a practical yeah. point of yes. view what what happened so it's not just the learning, it's the practical 
side. And I also used to speak to them in the business of music, like um, getting a CV together, getting a photograph, what your social media uh, status Very is like, important. all those kinds Very of things that people yeah. take for granted and they think that they need an agent but they don't actually in this day and age you can actually do all of those things yourself mm-hmm. aren't you lucky mike to have <laughs> such a resourceful say, yeah, wife. tip of my tongue <laughs> <laughs> but in your case you've been very lucky because you're not only an academic you do so much performing don't you so it must be a very nice life may i say to be teaching people something that you're so passionate about and also to be able to perform with all these fascinating artists. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very honored and, and humbled. Um, I, I kind of followed the path of, you know, when I was coming up, uh, looking at people like um, Jerry Berganzi, uh, Dave Liebman, um, you know, who are uh, Chris Fadala, that were um, great, great players. Mm-hmm. and But they also were very good teachers and, you know, you're putting publications out. So they kind of like looking at, you know, a lot of aspects. So I was talking about the industry earlier. They were pretty darn successful. They still are, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I've kind of like geared my, you know, use those people as uh, as role, role models. And um, you really have to, especially today, even more so. Mm-hmm. But now listen, why are you leaving, Diane? Maybe you can tell us. Well, <laughs> you're retiring, aren't you, Mike? Basically, yes, I um, yes, I retired at the end of last year from uh, from UCT. Uh, Twenty one years there, wow, wow. and it went like a flash in a flash. Mm-hmm. So, uh, great times, and uh, we just feel it's in the next chapter now. Right? Yeah, we and both have um, Italian citizenship, and we just feel that there is a new life yes. for us there in terms of music. I'm hoping to do. What I was doing here um, in Italy, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to become an agent, but they, they <laughs> Can you speak the language? I do. I speak it fluently. I oh, studied okay. in Perugia uh, at the L'Università per Stranieri ah, for six months, <laughs> so 40 years ago. But wow. I've lost a lot of my uh, the, the vocabulary, but it, mm-hmm. when you go back... You pick it you up, pick it up you, immediately. So. And you, Mike, are you fluent as well? Uh, a bit less than Diane. <laughs> okay. Get, I studied at the University honest. of Spaghetti. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> University of Spaghetti. That's the wonderful place to go to, I would have thought. No, but it's very, you know, uh, the culture and festivals and all these little towns you go, there's always something going on. Oh uh, you know, I love know, Italy. The food, it's, it's the great. culture, the, the architecture, people, the, the people. The architecture, yeah. indeed. Where Where is this place you're going to? Uh, Fermo. Fermo. It's um, on the Adriatic. Uh, across, if you draw kind of a line across from Rome. Okay. Uh, to the, on the to east coast. To the east. Yes. And uh, the, probably the biggest city nearest would be Ancona, a port. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful medieval hill town. Um, that sounds wonderful. With yeah, with a with a very good music conservatory and um, the best butcher, and uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a lovely area. And we have many friends there. We've been traveling there for many years. Oh right. Uh, we we did start uh, an exchange program between UCT and and Italy. What in two thousand and ten where yeah. two students from Italy would come and a teacher would come to UCT for two weeks and two students and a teacher from UCT would go to Italy for two right. weeks. So okay. we built up a big 
And you'll Just still play, thing. won't you, Michael? Oh, you'll yeah. play a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm got to keep at it. <laughs> <laughs> I see you became a Knight of the Order of the Star of Italy. Yes, I was very honored uh, by that. Through this, this exchange and uh, sharing, uh, bringing South Africa and Italy closer in, in, in one small way, being recognized by the president, it's oh, very, very much an honor. And just a last quick thought. Who's going to take over from you? Do you know? Have they appointed someone? Uh, yes. Um, actually, one of my former students is really a wonderful player, Justin Bellars, a uh, very good saxophonist. Um, He's already just started. He's got his hands full, and I'm going to wish him all the best. <laughs> and uh, he's, uh, he's just gotten married, and he's got a job, so everything's wow. looking good. And he's, <laughs> he's a very, very good player and a very good teacher, and I'm, I'm really happy that You're leaving the department uh, in good hands. Yes, in as words. they say. Yeah. As they say. <laughs> and how big is the staff, the teaching staff? They've had some cuts, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of a part-time staff, uh, yes, course, you know, it kind of, of fluctuates course. up yeah. and down. I don't know the exact numbers. I would say they're uh, four full-time teachers now. And In the jazz department? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike, we're going to miss you oh, here on our stages, and I'm sure the students will as well. And, Diane, we're going to miss you too, being here and being part of this whole operation. Well, I miss Cape Town. We will be back. <laughs> Good. So we're going to end with um, another track from your new album. Which is this one now? Lion at the Bar. What's that? Lion at the Bar. Lion at the Bar. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, yes. it's a composition composed by Darius Brubeck. Yes. Uh, and I recorded it with him in London uh, some years ago. We performed it many, many places. And it's just a great kicking, good feel tune. <laughs> so um, actually, you know, during this whole kind of morbid lockdown nonsense we all went through, yes. you know, let's write music. Okay, yes, let's let's uh, let's slick on the on the sunny oh, no. side of the street, right? <laughs> okay. And so I arranged uh, and kind of extended um, Darius's tune and uh, wrote it for the Mike Rossi project that'll be on our new CD, probably called Roots and Routes. And um, this uh, features. Um, uh, Willie Hubrick on, on trombone, Blake Hellerby on piano, of course Kevin Gibson on drums, uh, myself on saxophone. Um, it's just, I think, going to be people are going to well, enjoy Well, let's it. listen. Mike Rossi and Diane Rossi, it's been great talking to you, and may I wish you well for Thank you. your new life in Italy. Grazie a mille. Grazie, grazie, grazie. 